0: You're listening to the Mind Takeaway podcast with your hosts, Mira and Peter. We held leadership roles, lived in different countries, and had diverse careers, spanning the music industry, online technology companies, and the medical sector. Now, we develop coach and mentor leaders, creative professionals, and entrepreneurs who want to regenerate, improve, and transform the world around them, and inspire others to do the same. In each episode, we explore what happens when you tap into your intuition, creativity, and connection with others. We do this through having deep, fun, and insightful conversations with ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things. Okay, so hi there. Hi, Hi, how are you doing? I'm with uh, Paul Hanford
1: Yeah, thanks thanks for having me on the show Yeah,
0: I'm really excited to talk to you Because I know we've had some chats And uh, your podcast, by the way, brilliant Um, And as a musician myself And I don't know how you're getting the guests in I mean, really, every episode I'm like, wow You're speaking to Peaches, which was what, the last one? Uh, The dude from Sonic Youth Uh, You didn't get tricky on, but you did actually do a really nice interview with him which remember I was reflecting just on messaging that I've seen him in my neighborhood because I think he lives pretty close to where we are, but I was always a bit sheepish or nervous, you know, a bit starstruck to even go near him, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think a lot of people, I spoke to a few people actually, and like he, he's definitely someone that seems to get spotted a lot in Prince Lauerberg going into bio company. And, um, you know, there's a cafe I think that he goes into, but someone else I know sees him and around a lot. Um, he's definitely someone that leaves his, his, his very visible um, footprint around the neighbourhood, yeah. But I, I found him to be really, just a really, really nice guy, really. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm glad it was um, a good interview for you. And I really respect him as an artist. I mean, he's got such a rich history, right? And and I guess that's quite normal for Berlin, right? And a good segue into, I'm curious. So how did you end up in Berlin? I know we had, you know, some chats offline and stuff, but I'm just curious, how did you get to Berlin? And the second bit is, why did you start Lost and Found, your podcast?
1: Um, Well, um, I came here first time about eight years ago and um, I didn't really have any kind of, curiosity over berlin at the time it was more that i was doing some writing and someone on facebook a friend of a friend on facebook uh, wanted to come to london for a month so we organized who lived in berlin and so we organized um a, a room swap really and it was like february and really cold and to be honest all i knew, apart from the history of the city just generally all i knew about berlin culturally I hadn't heard of Berghain. I hadn't, you know, I wasn't really sort of, mass- I'm DJ, I wasn't really massively clued up into that. Um, but I, I was really interested in the kind of Bowie stuff that happened here and that Nick Cave was here and stuff like that. And that, that was my entry point. But, so I just really liked the idea of going somewhere where I didn't know anyone for a month, um, writing a book, it being really cold. And just that kind of bleak romance of of, of the writer <laughs> yeah. being somewhere cold and and you know way more into Europe than than London is. And then I got here and then I did do that, but I also kind of went to Bergheim um the second time, obviously the first time I didn't get in. Um <laughs> and- yeah. I queued for an hour and I just had no idea. I hadn't, hadn't even heard of Bergheim when I was queuing up. And so I couldn't work out why all of the coolest looking people in terms of like what London would view would be being cool, were being turned away. And I, I was thinking, is, it, is, is, is is the club closed already? This is really early for it to be closed because all the all the kids are leaving. And then it kind of sort of dawned on me as I didn't get in that, that they, it was just very different. And then second time I went kind of just kept my head down, looked miserable <laughs> and got in. And um, but yeah, so I kind of just fell in love with it, really, fell in love with the city. I started making friends here. And then I every time I could afford to go away, which would be twice a year, I'd mostly end up going back to Berlin because mm. I it was just in my blood really by that point. And then when I think about three years ago, I came out of a relationship. And I didn't have anywhere to live, and um, I was kind of just sort of house sitting for people. And Brexit was happening as well, and I just kind of thought that if I'm going to do, I don't really have anything to lose here, you know. I was I was DJing in London every weekend, um, but I wasn't very happy DJing in London really, and I just thought, well, I, I've got nothing to lose, but I don't. I, I if I'm going to leave England, you know. It's got to be now really you know if i want to sort of see what it's like to be someone that lives outside of the country i was born in you know and yeah that's that's so i just kind of came in for a month i had the idea of doing the podcast and um there was luckily some arts council funding going around and i applied for it and was really surprised to get it really yeah and- that's
0: brilliant you got the funding and i i guess crucially before brexit as well because I think we both agree that it's not the best move for our respective country, you know, our native country, should I say. And uh, yeah, I ended up here on a similar path. I was ending a relationship and to be fair, I was kind of like a bit lost and clueless at the time. And I had a friend here and I've been here myself because obviously I'm a DJ as well, or it was in the past, not so much now, but yeah, when I got here, I was kind of like, well, I've got nothing to lose. And it's cooler than where I was let's just go with it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And probably a bit cheaper as well. Like, yeah, that's very
0: important for people listening to to understand that, yeah, that, I'm not going to lie, that was definitely a plus point because, uh, okay, I didn't uh, live in London, but I came from the UAE. I was actually living in uh, Abu Dhabi at the time. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, it's not a place you can sit in a holding pattern. It's even more expensive than London. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah right, definitely. and It's like, it's kind of weird because once you live in berlin you kind of become aware of the way you become more in tune with the gentrification here and the, and the harms of it and how um like as an english person i'm potentially contributing to that as well um but as an english person you can you kind of as an artist sort of basically prized out a lot of the time of living in parts of london that only a couple of years beforehand were affordable you know and i'm only just like on one chain one part of this stage of gentrification that's like about 53 layers in yeah you know <laughs> people that are affected a million times worse than me you know and um it kind of it does i on the surface it seems like quite ideal to move to berlin where it is cheaper you know before yeah. you get to kind of understands that it's maybe cheaper for some people, but not for others.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess it's who you speak to, right? I mean, I, I know that, you know, I still love this city, hence why I'm still living here. And it, it, it all, you know, the, the thing about Berlin, it seems like this could be an episode about oh, all the stuff we love about Berlin, right? Yeah. No, but genuinely, the thing I love about this place is when I get a bit, oh, it's stale and I'm moaning to my wife. And, you know, for people listening, I live in Prenzlauerberg, which is kind of like a posh area, right? And I'm complaining to my wife, saying, oh, all these people gentrifying our area. And she's like, aren't you one of them?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Prenzlauerberg is kind of like, for, for Londoners, <laughs> for people in England listening, Prenzlauerberg is kind of the is the sort of Islington. Isn't it? The,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like Church Street in Stone Newington, um, or like, I guess, sort of like the, the nicest bit of Williamsburg in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny that I'm complaining about, you know, all these people coming in, and, and then, you know, the friends and Mira is like, Aren- you are one of them, you know, just shut up, stop moaning, enjoy the place, you know? But yeah, <laughs> whenever I get that way, or I'm worried about, oh, it's getting stale, you know, it's less about art here, and it's, you know, it's not. You know something's missing then I get surprised in a really wonderful way because something new happens or there's a new scene emerged or yeah I mean it's such a wonderful place where you can find yourself as an artist and also the opposite end of the spectrum get completely lost if if that's the way you want to go, right because I know the yeah. first year I came yeah. here I kind of decompressed and I needed it you know I was leaving yeah. a load of things behind and although I could, you could argue that I wasted time and money <laughs> and I wasn't really doing as many things for work and the like. it It's just something I needed to do, right? And I was going to ask you, so you started a podcast and, you know, we talked about this before we were recording. I really, really do love it because I like the mix of the way you have a really deep conversation with an artist and the way that you talk to them. It's so connected in terms of being human that there doesn't seem to be any barrier between you and the artist i mean peaches seem really relaxed really reflective i mean it could be because of covid right i mean we're all getting relaxed and reflective because we're stuck in our houses but Mm -hmm. you you seem to have a way you're very relaxed about you know getting what you want from them and you know building that narrative so people can get something really you know, tangible if you're an audience or the listener. And what I loved is the way you top and tail it from, you know, your ramblings and reflections as you start. And then, you know, the bit at the end just kind of seals it off for me. And, and what I was saying before, I might nick that for our podcast as well. Go for so, it. Go for know.
1: it. I nicked it from someone else. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and do you find that helps you frame the episode as well? Do you think about that before you speak to the artist or is it more you just Tee, tee up these interviews and then you see how it just plays out and how it transpires?
1: Um, um, you mean you mean doing the top and tail bits beforehand? or yeah. No, no, that always comes at the end. That's always got to be kind of reflective. Um, of
0: course, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I, 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 I do view, um, like, doing interviews myself, I think everyone's got lots of different approaches and they're all really valid. For me, what I try to do is to just sort of, I see it's mostly, like, being a portrait photographer really and and I'm I'm just trying to capture like a moment on a day with someone um that also maybe tells you a bit about their life and what they've done and also like kind of maybe shows a little bit about like myself as well like I used to I think I've just got out of habit I'm trying to be much better about leaving mistakes in and yeah obviously not bad mistakes, but not going too over the top with the editing and stuff. Like I used to edit out all of the ums and ahs and likes. Then I kind of realized that you end, it's almost like you end up with like one of those sort of people, you've you've, you've spoken to someone on an automated phone or something like that. How was your album? And you know, it's (laughs) really, really weird. And um, so I think it's just about, I I, I guess feeling just really comfortable really with with the whole process. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I can't remember what the question is. <laughs> ah, don't worry.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, I can, I can identify with that as well because when you first start out innocently, right, you start to think you need to polish it. Similar to, I mean, I know you've made music as well. So mm. it, it, you, it's that trap you can fall in, you know, trying to, or chase perfection right so yeah i just stopped doing that we very rarely edit anything out unless i've got someone into trouble or i'm swearing too much or or a guest has got nervous which is really rare about you know oh we can't include that because i talked about something sensitive so yeah i mean it, it the more natural you can leave it and, and just trust that people you know if you've got an audience just trust in the audience because who are we to say what's you know, going to resonate with people as well. And I I guess no one really cares about the technical stuff, or at least that's what we were talking about before we recorded, right? That you Mm -hmm. can really spend hours and hours making it sound a certain way. But if I'm honest, I don't think anyone really appreciates that. What they really dig is a real human connection in the conversation and something tangible. So if you're speaking to a musician, people want to know about that artist and hear something human and something true about them, right?
1: Well, I, th- I think for me, it's like, I know when something feels right, and sometimes that requires a lot of work and editing, and sometimes it's just leave it as it is, mm. and I think there's a sort of like, a you know, like, I think like, was it like, I think the Cohen brothers used to say that their main job as directing was that they were like in charge of, of like, they were like tone police, like everything they had to kind of, they just like making sure that the tone was right, yeah. and I think... I guess that is probably the way that I know if something's right is once I feel, you know, I'll get, I'll get like a little feeling that something just feels that it flows and it's right. You know, it's just really instinctive, isn't it? And sometimes you do have to put more work in to make it sound good. And other times it's, it's a lot less work really, you know? And, um, yeah, it's, it's just that finding that little, that, that biting point, I guess. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head when, when you know it's right, you don't need to fiddle and you just put it out there, right? And yeah, we've had a few, but I think that the more we've interviewed people and, and, you know, you just get comfortable, right? And you just instinct, it becomes more intuitive, you know, from a place of not really thinking it. I think I'm
1: like, it's using like, uh, um, uh, like again, sort of, I'm not a photographer at all. I I know fuck all about photography, but like, um, I kind of get the idea from speaking to friends that are, that sometimes they try to get so much, you know, you can get more like before the editing, right. Um, like the sort of editing kind of maybe goes into the research now, Mm. the beforehand, like how I kind of, um, think about how I want to speak with someone rather than kind of covering, you know, putting up loads of effects on afterwards to cover it up, you know, sometimes that could be good as well, but um i definitely i think i used to do a lot of editing because i wasn't really focusing on the interview it'd be like oh shit i just said a load of crap there why did i ask someone something like that yeah Yeah. now i kind of some i still do that but sometimes i'll leave that in now because
0: yeah me too i mean there's times when i'm like
1: you know i've just said something stupid it's just there really yeah.
0: well well just like what i've done then trying to interrupt you and stuff like that or yeah when i've asked the question I'm like why do they ask such a stupid question but i'm more comfortable leaving it in now because yeah unless it's definitely going to ruin the flow or that there's a real need to take something out I-, I don't know it just occurs less to me to even waste time worrying about that stuff what i wanted to ask you as well is how has it been i mean i know we're in a strange time right and uh we don't know what, how it's going to play out. And I know in Berlin, we've been, for people listening, we've been blessed really because lockdown here has been, I'm guessing, a lot less severe. I mean, I spoke to someone in France yesterday and I was surprised mm-hmm. to hear that. I, I knew it was tough there, but they have to write a note to themselves like it's in school and print it out. And I'm like, what do you do? Uh, I didn't ask, It didn't get as far as what do you do when you haven't got a printer, but you print out this thing and it has to be signed by you in blood. <laughs> and, and you ooh. have to write like, ooh, I'm going to do a, a run or getting groceries or whatever. And yeah. apparently it's quite strict. People do check and you, know, you get stopped on the street. And I found out they're only allowed like 1K Circle round the home, and I was like, "Wow, we've never had that here, right?"
1: That's quite intense, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, how has it impacted you in terms of creativity? I mean, just for me personally, sometimes I know we talked about this as well. Sometimes the limitations have been good for me. You know, I've been restricted in a certain way, and yet I might have a moan about it or get uncomfortable. But then the output's been really interesting, and I get excited again from that. And yeah I just wanted to ask how has it affected you as a writer as a podcaster? Has there been any um, impact in a negative way, or what's been the
1: positive well i mean it's I think it's really hard to talk about and to sort of separate all of the things into different units like in some ways you know I've definitely you know feel like you know i've um I've got more time you know um um to kind of get on and do things, but like just talking about myself here like and it's kind of like disconnected from the rest of the world but then like my you know what I'm doing isn't really anything without being connected to the world at the same time so Mm -hmm. um it is it's a strange thing like you know I'm I'm sure like we all have where like you know some days I'll kind of wake up and I'll be really excited about something I'm working on and other days it's just too overwhelming you know like I'll kind of make the mistake of looking um looking at the Corona figures or something like that. Yeah. just, my, my fingers are just like, you know, like the fucking, like, it's like the kind of severed hand <laughs> that even there too. They're just kind of running at my phone, kind of looking at it. Looking at, and I'm like, oh, Paul, why did I just fucking go and look at like the Corona figures again? You know, that yeah. now I'm just going to be thinking about that for the day or, or just hearing about like something that crazy orange Nazi in America has done or something like that. You know, it's just, there's always like some, something to kind of counter bala <laughs> it's just a weird time isn't it really but yeah. i have found like within that but um i've definitely you know felt it's something that whatever we're all going through and so i think i just i just about me for me is finding ways to keep myself motivated to keep keep flowing and also also like it takes away the sort of there's a kind of element of bourgeois luxury about being the writer in Berlin because, you know, from what we were talking about earlier on, you can live a bit cheaper here and I definitely did a lot of flaneuring when I got here, which I think is a really, really beautiful thing, but it's also a real, you know, not everyone has the privilege to do that and so I feel like now it feels like there's this sort of time of going, right, I'm going to do writing and if I'm going to do podcasting, it has to um, I have to really justify it to myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can get that. Yeah, and I think it's just awareness, isn't it? I mean, we're all guilty of it. I watch the news now and again. Luckily, Mm -hmm. I I I tend not to watch it. It's not a habitual thing, but now and again, I I get bored or fidgety. And same thing, I'm like, oh my God, look at the numbers, look at this. And then I start Mm -hmm. wasting like half a day freaking out about some rubbish, right? But then when, when you... When you flip out of it, it, it's okay just to notice you did it without bashing yourself, right? Because I know yeah, in the past, cre- yeah, because creatively for me, when I, one thing's catching yourself having the awareness that you're wasting time, although you could argue there is no waste of time, right? But the other layer is, well, just be okay with it. You know, it's happened. You can't take it back. So, and you're a human being, right? So just go easy on yourself. It's it's fine, I think right?
1: The most important thing is, is like you got to go easy on yourself, really, haven't you? Because you can't even be any good effect to anyone else if you're not looking no. after yourself. And and um, I, th- I think I've definitely like sort of learned to, learning <laughs> to sort of try and prioritize self care. Um, yeah. You know, and and it's I think you know being in sort of isolation and lockdown a lot. I think it kind of you know you do i have found like the kind of advantages of sort of being able to kind of like everything becomes really big doesn't it like little decisions i mean sometimes in a good way like what you're going to eat you know like i'll be on a limited budget and i'll kind of go okay i've got like a courgette i've got half an aubergine and i'll really think about how i can make something really nice out of it but maybe before Lockdown, I would have just kind of maybe like they would have just gone a bit more softer and squiddy.
0: Jordan just festered in the fridge. <laughs> so, in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. So I think I think I'm definitely thinking about a lot of um, a lot more about those little things, and they become a lot more exciting in my life as well. Like I definitely, I think like cooking becomes like a real ritual, you know, um, sort of like kind of like a meditation or something that I know is going to happen like in evening time, really.
0: Yeah, it's good that you can find those little moments and we can do the opposite, right? What What we've just said. Sometimes we can start to spin that wheel of freaking out about stuff and all because everyone keeps talking about uncertainty, right? And I wanted to ask your take on it because for me, I mean, okay, I'm in the business of trying to help and transform people's lives by coaching them and giving them support. So for me, uncertainty is the normal. Like even pre-COVID, yeah. I'm as good as what we're talking about right now in this moment. And I know that sounds like cheesy coaching talk, you know, but it really is true. Reality is we don't really know how to predict what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone six months down the line. And let's be honest, without getting dark, COVID today, next week it'll be climate change and some other massive calamity. Mm. But let's be honest, as a human species, we can deal with it. But I think on, on one that we just need to get our shit together because I think the climate piece, that one requires us all to actually change the way we're, we're looking yeah, at things. Yeah, you know? there's
1: something very definite about that, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, whereas um,
0: COVID's a tricky one because we can't really control it. I know you mm-hmm. could argue that there are people uh, like pharmaceutical companies, governments, they have more traction to be able to do something than we do as an individual person, right? But yeah, when we look at other things that are uncertain, yeah, they're, they're a little bit more tangible on us, right, and as an individual person, that we we may have to change our lifestyle to be able to actually still have a planet, you know. Well, not a planet because yeah. the planet will be there, but a habitat for us to actually be able to still live and do what we're doing and have this conversation even, you know. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah. You know. Sorry, I got a. Um... <laughs> um so what was the question sorry um it
0: wasn't a question it was just reflected sorry. about uncertainty but what i was saying is yeah how do you see it for you personally do you think it's magnified it or have you always been okay with not knowing
1: i mean i, I don't like not knowing um but i think you know I sort of being the freelancer for like most of my life um and sort of Doing, doing creative pursuits, choosing to do creative pursuits most of my life. It's like uncertainty's always been that. Like, you know, I've never really had much money. And, um, and a lot of the time, you know, there's a point where I'm kind of fine with that. You know, I, I you know, you sort of, I don't, you know, I think, you know, I, I kind of made a choice to kind of put time into doing um, things that I found rewarding, uh, like making stuff. Um, And that's choice for me, you know. And um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, there's uncertainty can be a well fucker, really. (laughs) Uh, But I think I did. I think I just you know I'm so used to it. But it's just sometimes there's more levels of it. Sometimes you know uncertainty is like something that you can kind of put aside and you can put in a cupboard and not think about. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because it's and you can kind of
1: tell yourself and you can kind of you know really genuinely work it through. Go okay that needs to be sorted out, but I don't need to think about that until January. Mm. So that's okay, you know? And then other times it suddenly is January and you've not done anything about it, then it becomes a problem and stuff like that. And, and yeah. so I, it, it, it swings and roundabouts. That's a classic English expression, isn't it? it swings and <laughs> roundabouts.
0: No, um, uh, you are right. And I think as a as a freelancer, I mean, I can identify that, you know, I'm working for myself as well. And, you know, there's a lot of times when I've had no money, you know, you, you just get used to it, right? And I think- Correct me if I'm wrong, the re- the reason I was going there is what what just occurred to me is that if you're used to doing that, you know, you're creative, you're a writer, you're a musician, whatever, you're more likely to be prepared for uncertainty than you might even hazard a guess to thinking that you are, right? So what I'm saying is that you're kind of preparing for opportunity because you're so used to not knowing, not knowing when, for example, the next paycheck's gonna be. Yeah. But you are deeply creative because you're obviously writing and, you know, doing all this stuff. So that's kind of I don't want to say future proof you, because no one can be that way. I mean, you can think that you are right, but again, mm-hmm. we don't know because it's uncertain. But I'm guessing that the more creative you are in the kind of fields that we're talking about, you kind of are navigate uncertainty in a better way than someone who's got a fixed job, a fixed view of the world. And I think the reason why I was going there is people who are not from that world, who are more, they, they thought they had this safe bubble. That reality was completely shattered when this happened, you know, earlier this year. Yeah. And I don't know. The more I'm talking to artists and not to say that some of them have been freaking out, of course, uh, and we've all had a moments, to too, but what I'm saying is that more creative people seem to be, dealing with it better, if that makes sense, because they were always used to the uncertainty Cover the side, if that,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 quite a few people I've spoken with um, kind of sort of saying that aside from the sort of, you know, the feelings of, of, um, the feelings of fear and the feelings of, you know, what the pandemic means in, in a certain way, like the actual time it's given them have given them a lot of time for reflection, like a lot of particularly like DJs and... Yeah. And musicians, you know, spend like the vast majority of their life touring. And so suddenly it's like they're kind of grounded. And aside from future worries about wanting to tour again and and also like the need to kind of perform as a life, as part of their career Mm -hmm. and their life, it's like um, I think a lot of people I spoke to kind of actually enjoy just having that period of time last year to just kind of slow down. You know, maybe they hadn't slowed down like since their careers since they got into a groove with their careers um i definitely remember speaking to a couple of people that just felt that they hadn't had time out for years you know and suddenly they're in their houses and they're able to just yeah. kind of watch films and mm. play a bit of guitar but you know just like as you would pick it up in the corner of a room <laughs> and strum some chords and stuff like that um i definitely think yeah, like, and you know, as as a as a creative person, when you're a freelance person, when you're constantly not really sure where your next check's going to come from, or like you're constantly waiting for an email um, about whether something's going to go ahead or not, you you kind of got it inbuilt, but, but there's always a level of uncertainty. So, it in in that way, I feel like I was a bit like. Oh well, this is this is happening this week (laughs) in a really weird way, you know. And that's nothing to do with like the emotional feeling or the kind of feelings of seriousness of it, but it's just in terms of just like okay, this is what I'm dealing with this week. It's the same as like maybe like a a contract got cancelled.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. And yeah, I was going to talk about there are artists that are lucky that they were making money before this happened, right? And they they're lucky that I mean. I mentioned Ellen that you interviewed recently as well, and that was another cool one because she was in a very reflectful mood. I mean, she's a deeply spiritual person anyway, as you probably know, but it was good to hear that she, yeah, she just got this unique time that she'll never get again, I guess, or to completely slow down rather than smashing the air miles and being in one country for the next every weekend DJing. But there are yeah. artists, as we know, you know, I've been there myself where... You know, you've had some limited success, you you know, you've worked in the industry, but they, they were struggling even before COVID because the industry, I don't want to stop picking on the music industry mm. per se, it's all creative industries, but these people were struggling anyway. And then all of a sudden they've got no means of income and yes, we could argue that they should be getting creative and get excited about what they can do afterwards, but then mm because they're not working for someone, uh, it gets tricky. I mean, I know Germany's a little bit better than, say, certain places in Europe. I mean, the UK, yeah. I was shocked, really, how artists were pushed down the pecking order. You know, people who were furloughed who had a proper paycheck for doing something non-creative, working in a business. But anyone who's in the arts, it was like, yeah, chin up, mate. Go and get, in, <laughs> go and get another job, which was really shocking. So what I wanted yeah. to ask you is, how are, you, how are you about um, the arts in general? Because my concern is that, that there's always going to be people coming out of it, hitting the ground running, as we've talked about. But I see the whole arts thing being completely eroded. And the longer we stay in this situation and the, and the lack of funding, I mean, we've already seen some amazing institutions give up the fight and they've already closed, right? And I mean, just in, in the electronics scene, clubs alone, I mean, already the, the real estate people are, you know, they're, they're waiting in the ranks for this, you know, the club to be closed and then guess what? No surprise, they'll build flats there, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Starbucks. Starbucks yeah. Where, where About Blank used to be or something like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um, I mean, obviously, I, I think it's just like creativity has always been a little bit undervalued in terms Definitely, of... Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I, I I felt like this as a, as a, you know, um, growing up, um, I wasn't really very good at school. Like I was really good at art and English, creative writing English. Um, um, because you know, you could actually use your imagination and stuff, but like I was really, really, really bad at like pretty much everything else. Cause it kind of occurred to me that at least in the school that I went to, which was like, in north london in in the sort in the 80s that um you had to kind of basically just memorize information you know like if you kind of you'd be sit, sitting an exam for geography or maths and it was like you know can you memorize this and can you kind of like regurgitate it and my brain didn't work like that you know i didn't think logically and so i always kind of grew up feeling that like i was quite stupid really you know and mm-hmm. And then also, so I, I kind of encouraged myself to take as much sick days of, of school as possible, you know, so I kind of fell out of the system as well yeah. through that. And then because of that, I started to get bullied because I was like the kind of the weird kid but couldn't sort of, you know, express themselves in the kind of recognised way to kind of get ahead at school. I wasn't physically strong as well, so I didn't have PE to fall back on as well. And um, in the 80s where I was living, subculture hadn't really reached that part of town. Mm. And and then like, you know, I, I kind of just noticed that for me the massive difference came was like when I think I got to hear like the Pixies and Nirvana yeah. and stuff. And it just like literally changed my life in the space of a week. Like just being able to like uh I, I remember I was I was just at sixth form college and some kids came up to me at that I knew from school and they kind of bullied me a bit at school. But I think we'd have like a long summer and they chilled out a bit. Their hair had started to grow, and they started to wear like do you those green German army jackets that oh, everyone yeah, like used a to wear. Bomber jackets, yeah, 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 yeah. And like they were smoking like the Golden Virginia and stuff like that. They started they they weren't like jocks anymore. And like they were like, hey, "Do you want to come on lunch break and have a cigarette on the hill?" And and so I was kind of really excited because they weren't fighting me. And um, <laughs> and then like they gave me some headphones, and it was the Pixies on the headphones, and. Um, Like, it was just, I've not really heard anything like it at all. I was just not really engaged with music in that way before. And I kind of, it wasn't just the music that really excited me. It was like the fact that, like, they were welcoming me me into into something that just didn't really fit into anything that school gave me at all, anything like that. And I think that, that kind of gave me the confidence to start sort of, you know, like, believing in the kind of, the fact that I could do art and writing and things like that. And also that you know you could kind of you'd see like sort of Kurt Cobain on top of the box and stuff, and just think like what the fuck is is that man? You know it's amazing. It's like like everyone loved him, but he was this really scruffy guy who would wear like t-shirts by obscure bands. You know who's very who's really feminine um, at the same time as being sort of like sort of just like you know having like Courtney Love as his. Yeah, as his partner, and um, who was kind of like the biggest star at the time, yet was also, like, really obviously, uh, like, a bit of a social misfit and someone who felt much better, like, kind of maybe scribbling on a piece of paper or something like that than than kind of communicating to the world. and And I think that kind of gave me strength to kind of view creativity as a force. And then I think from that, I kind of started to... Slightly give less of a shit about what was expected of me. Um, and so it's a really massively long winded way of explaining or going on about something. But like, I think, yeah, I, I, I think I kind of started to have a bit of faith somehow in the fact that, like, that, you know, there's always going to be the kind of what I'd call the straight world and, you know, like the man, as I used to call in the 60s, you know, and I, um, sometimes perhaps lazily yeah. and unfairly call anything to business as the man, you know, um, there's always, there's always going to be that. And like create, they're never, ever going to understand creativity, but they will love it when it makes sense to them, but they won't understand ever the processes that artists have to go through to do that. And yeah. they won't, cause it just doesn't quantify, you know, a lot of creativity comes from just being able to kind of, you know, like I, I, could, I could work at my laptop all day long and produce fuck all, produce absolute jack shit. Um, but then as soon as I go away and make a cup of tea, suddenly that whole day of doing nothing kind of crystallizes into mm. one idea, you know. And that makes no sense in a quantifiable way, you know. And so I think that's why it's really, really, really hard for um, people that decide where budgets are allocated to sort of understand... The value of, of paying creatives because mm. they, they don't, you know, they, they just kind of see us as being like interesting, funny pets that come up with stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I don't, but yeah, it's, it's a different way of working, really, isn't it? And it requires yeah. just, you know, um, things that don't make sense in a capitalist society in order to function.
0: No, and I think you framed it well. And I actually liked the way you navigated it because I can resonate, I, I got spat of the school system with barely any anything qualification-wise, and my musical upbringing was pretty much bunking, jumping over the wall, sneaking off to Liverpool on the ferry and hanging around the record shop, and the guys in the record shop like, who's this kid? And they just took pity on me and started giving me vinyls, you know, and I was just like, oh my yeah. God, what is this, you know? And it did save my life, because I actually thought I was a bit dim, because these adults were very stale, and I'm not going to blame them, but, they just didn't know how to handle me. And yeah, when you said I was kind of there to just memorize some stuff that I honestly, I didn't give a shit about really. But, you know, mm. and, and as I got spat out of the school system, it was only really my parents that were freaking out. I was kind of like, well, okay, that wasn't cool. I'm ready to deal with the world now. So I was kind of half excited and very naive because I was young, you know, but I yeah. already started DJing and, uh, and I did some more adult stuff later on and realise that actually it's not the education bit or knowledge or learning. It's just that, as you say, it's, for whatever reason, we still haven't, as much as all the advances in technology and psychology and, you know, all of the things we've got as far as, you know, learning about humanity, we still see creativity in in that frame of being an artist as something scary in a lot of camps, right? And yeah, I'm not surprised that funding, it's the first thing that goes, right? It's the first thing that when Brexit was announced, I could see all of the European arts funding disappearing and yeah. people freaking out about it. And yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised it's not been funded, but I'm, I'm just a bit, I guess, in the grieving process right now because I can see how it can play out. I'm not saying that there'll be no art because that would be, it's not, it's not possible. And that's why I'm still excited because let's be honest, even if they get rid of everything, it it just starts things afresh. It it just resets the clock. Although I wouldn't want that because I think we've got a rich cultural history in every country. And I know especially where we are right now in Germany, we've just seen things eroded in less than a year. And that's, that's what I'm pointing at, that, you know, what could we do now? And maybe nothing. I don't have the answer, but I think we know why, because there's just that complete disconnection between people who don't see themselves as creative and, they don't feel connected to art, culture, creativity. You know, they just don't identify with that. But it's really strange, isn't it, that these same people who may pull the plug, they've all been to theatre, they've all been to see a play. I'd be really surprised. Some yeah. of them go to nightclubs, you know, <laughs> different things. And, and they'd be the first people to complain when all of a sudden, like, wh- why is there no culture? Why is why is just existing a bit shit and boring? It's because well, you pull the plug, and we don't, we didn't support that stuff during that time, so therefore, we've got nothing open right now, or at least we don't have any infrastructure because we switched it off. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what also I think is interesting is that like, um, uh, I think so many, uh, so, so many kind of creative, I don't know scenes is the right word but movements or whatever um come out of people with no resources um, come out of people with no money um just using whatever sources they've got you know you kind of um you know whether you you know and so it's, it's it's kind of weird at the same time as we've got this huge industry of creativity um that's actually i think in some ways different from what creativity actually is a, as a thing you know and so it's like it's, it's just part of human nature to create and um so there'll be i don't know what you know and you could almost argue in a kind of punk way you know that you need to have cycles and things need to be destroyed yeah. and regrown and stuff like that which is you know i don't know if i i, I how much i fully would endorse the destruction <laughs> of a lot of things the cultural yeah. institutions that i love you know so don't get me wrong there but at the same time as that like you know we, it's it's all cyclical and, and art has to be relevant to everyone doesn't it you know or maybe what type of one but art, it's like say for example if if like bergine funding just got dropped for Bergein and it closed there would be this absolute outrage in berlin uh, amongst clubbers most of the clubbers would be at least over 20 i don't think many <laughs> yeah. people under 20 would give a shit yeah, yeah at all and and then they're probably too busy like doing things that we're too old to even know that will be the culture of the future so in a way who gives a fuck
0: you know you've yeah that's a really interesting way of taking it because i did about you i got curious about what is really going on and i know we talked about this you know mm-hmm. Uh, in another conversation that we talked about the plague raves and I was saying, well, you know, yeah. when I was younger, when the rave happened, it was because it was proper anti-government because they were trying to control a population and they were scared of, you know, they made it all dirty and drug takers when actually it was just fresh and new, you know. Yeah. But what I did, I got a bit curious because I'm like, you know, I'm not young anymore. We're we're kind of relatively similar age, right? And I was like, what are the young whippersnappers doing out there? What What are they doing behind the scenes? And even in my neighbourhood, right, there's, um, you know, in Prenzlauerberg, there's those water towers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So underneath, I don't know if you've ever been in there, but there's this structure. It's a really, I've not actually been inside it, but I've had a little peek. And there was an installation all the way through COVID. And I still don't even understand what these kids are doing, but it looked cool. And they mm. put a system in and they'd done this weird, arty thing and they were still going, you know, and this was yeah. during restrictions and it wasn't like an illegal rave. They'd actually did it properly, but I'm like, wow, who am I to say that it's not working? Because yeah, people younger than us, they're like, well, okay, that's gone, but you're, you're, you're the older generation. We've got something young and fresh and we're just yeah. doing our thing. And they probably don't even stop for air or even reflect. Cause I know when I was young, I didn't, I was just enjoying it or doing whatever made sense. Right and just going with it. And yeah, I think, so what are you saying then? You know, we've heard this conspiracy theorist thing about the great reset, right, which I don't really buy into it. I think it's a bit naive. But yeah, I mean, a great reset of art and culture. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we should do that, right, just for people listening. But if it did happen, I'm sure, you know, many exciting things would come from it. And I don't know about you. I, I speak to a lot of artists of late as well have said, Is there anything new coming out? I know there is, but, you know, some artists get frustrated because they're like, we've we've done everything, especially musically, right? And they're saying, you know, what's next? Because we've had, you know, in our lifetimes, you know, you've had, as you say, rock and roll. You know, Mm -hmm. we've seen all of these wonderful artists that were really strong artists in their own right and they really, really forged a way forward, right? And then we're in this kind of culture where, dare I say, a lot of people are still telling me that it's a bit stale right now. I don't buy that fully, right? But no. I do kind of say with the are Like I, I can yeah. understand yeah.
1: that. And, like, I mean, on one hand, like, I really like, say, like the writer Simon Reynolds, you know, music culture writer, and then he wrote that book Retromania, where he's kind of saying how, like, so many, like, since since the 90s, like, so there's been such a lack of, new ideas and things have become recycled and stuff and you know I don't I'm not really an expert on postmodernism, but <laughs> I kind of feel that that's probably a word that's like potentially associated with with that or whatever modernist whatever post era we're in but then I also sort of think it can be kind of something that is usually kind of like grumpy white men sitting exactly. around <laughs> yeah. middle-aged grumpy white men like not us of course not us. (laughs) but the kind of saying that everything's been done before you know and i think it's also there's so many new ways and things that do need to be readdressed i think in a lot of ways 2020 has been massively exciting for in terms of like um you know something that we have to kind of culturally shift and go through you know um in terms of like um raising you know, like, issues with diversity, issues with kind of making sure, like, all different kinds of voices are heard. But, you know, I look back on the 90s and it seems like a golden era to me, you know, because I'm sort of like, for me it was. Um, I didn't realise at the time, for a lot of people it wasn't, you know. So maybe we got to go through this now and even if a lot of cultural institutions have to do a lot of questioning and a lot of that just to sort of um, create some kind of balance or we have I, I don't know, maybe I'm phrasing that wrong. I don't think we've been listening to everyone that's needed to be listened to. I don't think everyone's voices that, have yeah. been heard at all. Yeah. And and so I don't think there can be a way we can say that everything's been done when the people that have said everything's been done haven't been listening to everyone.
0: Yeah, that's a really valid point. Uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure if we, we were... You know, sent back into time machines during the days of rock and roll, there'll be older people and us saying, Oh, we've done everything before. Yeah. There's nothing yeah, be new. And all of a sudden, they're like, Holy after, fuck, where, can can where can you <laughs> go after
1: Bebop? Where can you go after That's it, I'm sure, it's that, just like done. you say,
0: there's kids, you know, younger than us saying, well, What are they? What are you on about? Like, we, we, we're we fresh and no one's heard what we've done yet. And you, we're going to, you know, we're going to be coming at you, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I, and that's, I it. think it's always, that's <laughs> the great thing about it. It's like, there's always new combinations of things. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of like, I I, I don't know, I kind of feel that quite often, you know, you know, when something feels really good, when you just combine two things together, you know, they might not be new things, but like the way you've combined them together feels new and fresh. Mm. And, And I think that can be kind of infinite.
0: It can be, and everything is a remix. I mean, you hear that a lot, and I really look at that because some of the work I do is really going deep in researching and creativity and stuff. And yeah, and there is an element because you could argue that everything's kind of already existed. But I find Mm -hmm. that exciting because the the best artists, I mean, all the people you interviewed have recycled stuff or they've been blown away by something or that's influenced them in a way. They might not even reference it, or might not Mm. even be aware of it, right? That's another thing. We we can't even be aware for ourselves or comprehend all of the things that have even got us up to this point. And that excites me because all of the things that you haven't seen, that means it's a limitless amount of creative avenues to go down. And I guess that, you know, if if you're kind of saying that, and I've been guilty of it sometimes, Mm. oh, I've run out of creative juice, you know, my engine's finished. And then, as you say, the next day, because i have Usually for me, I and I, I know I'm going through a transformation because I hit a massive brick wall and I have a bit of a cry
1: <laughs> oh, of a little bit of a biggest <laughs> existential nightmare. You have a yeah. you have a total meltdown and you, you <laughs> kind of think about like moving back to your parents' house and and then suddenly like the next day it's like you kind of like you're like Sherlock Holmes that's just got a case.
0: Exactly. And and that's the beauty of creativity, that you can't be proud about when it's going to happen. Although, you know, as a a professional, you have this as well. We all have sometimes a timeline because someone says, right, you've got to have that article in by this date or, you know, if you're signed to a label or whatever. But a lot of the times where we stifle ourselves isn't when I'm on the clock. So, for example, when I got to Berlin, I had releases coming out and I was lying to the world and, you know, like tricking myself, saying, yeah, we're going to write an album now. I did nothing, right? And I, and it had no constraints. That's the problem. I had enough cash to keep me going and make music and even book a studio or whatever. And what did I do? Yeah. I mean, I don't regret it because I made such good contacts by just going out and pushing the envelope. <laughs> but it's funny that the the, the people I speak to, the There seems to be a common pattern that if you give someone too many options, too much time, that can also be a problem. But as you said, sometimes creativity, and this is what the the business, again, I'm not putting any blame, but there's a lot of a, a disconnect or a misunderstanding, right? And it's quite innocent that sometimes in the world of business, people want something done tomorrow. And yeah. even the creative industry's got like that. That's why I stopped doing post-production and sound design because they were like, mm-hmm. you've got five minutes, here's your brief. And I'm like, nah, this isn't cool, you know? And But sometimes you do need months of just sitting looking at the wall or sitting looking at a pot plant because that can also be amazing and transformational. And I know a lot of artists are very comfortable just saying, well, I'm going to do nothing. Because yeah. I know that, as you said, that's going to yield some amazing results down the line. But in the world of business, they're really scared of doing that, right? For good reason as well, because I know they yeah. need to make money in the time. But the more I've seen business innovate and disrupt is when they have become really comfortable. Again, this circles all the way back to the conversation with the unknown and just being okay and letting the, their employees get get two weeks away, you know, go off and do whatever, or, you know, every month they get out of the workplace and do something that's absolutely disconnected from what they do. Because I, I don't know about you, I mean, workplaces or even offices in general, I'm always kind of, oof, because for me, they're very... It's clinical, a bit too Mm. clean. And also they're not really the kind of places where you can get really creative, right? So you've got this problem where businesses are like, yeah, you know, you need, they're trying to force people to get creative. But Mm. the very thing they need is just to stop the clock for a minute and just to have a laugh, (laughs) you know, go go out drinking one night, do whatever. And then guess what? They resolve that problem they've been sitting looking at for the last two months, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, there's a whole kind of cliche about like, sort of like having like fun rooms in, 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 you know, like workspaces and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like um, uh, there's a sort of, I think it's just, it's all really just really intuitive, I feel, isn't it? Like there's certain times where you need to put that pressure on yourself um, and you need to sort of establish like deadlines, even if it's for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's other times where that's just just not going to work. And it's really, really hard to know the line. And I think that's kind of an art in itself, or maybe that is actually just what art is, is just working, being able to kind of, decipher things like when you need to put pressure on yourself, and when you need to not, um, and when you need to kind of like what references you're drawing into it and how you edit something, you know, it's, it's sort of very curatorial, isn't it? Like you, you're kind of like, there's an art to managing yourself.
0: There is right. And it's all experiential learning, right? As we said before that, you can learn all these things. And I mean, it's amazing that you can just YouTube whatever and I'm guilty of it, you know, I'm watching other fellow artists or whatever. And it's good. You can get some good, you know, useful information, but it can also be actually quite destructive because you can then just start to lose your own identity. Right. And I think every good artist and, or this has been my experience when I speak to them, they've just got comfortable not knowing they've got comfortable finding their own very unique way of working and they're not really too bothered what everyone else is doing, although they will check in and they're curious because creatives are generally curious about everything in the world, right? But they're more relaxed and comfortable because they've actually broke it, the wheels have come off, and they've been like, well, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's also what we we see quite often um, of of is like an end result and and with like a kind of a little bit of, like, you know, a little bit of, maybe through interviews or something or a little bit of a summary of of how that end result got there. But um, I think also within that, like, you know, there's a lot of, like you were saying earlier on, there's a lot of dark nights of the soul that kind of, that kind of go into that making as well, you know, and, and it's kind of weird. Like, I think, like you were saying as well, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how bleak a moment I'll have with an idea or, or not having an idea, like the payoff of when I get the idea or when things slot in makes that just come. I completely forget about it. It's like, you know, you you forget what it's like to have the flu until you get the flu again. You know, it's like that kind of sort of thing. It just like, it just goes. It's like, Oh, I'm fine now. Brilliant. Excellent. You know
0: know what? That's a really good point for people listening that, yeah, I mean, it, we're not saying right. Just to be clear, that all arts should be painful because that's very cliche, right? No, but what, no. But there's a
1: there's a yeah, horrible yeah. cliche about that, <laughs> and it's not about that. But it's I think it's just about it for the way I would sort of mean to say it is it's about being intuitive with yourself, exactly. And yeah. and mm-hmm. and like and I guess it's about being really gentle with yourself when you know rather than art shouldn't be painful. But the fact is, when you have times when you're blocked and when um, it doesn't make sense and you can't think of an idea, that's when you have to have that little voice in your head that kind of tells you that um, it is okay. That is just a really natural part of the process. And it's shitty, but like, get some really nice biscuits and watch uh, The Queen's Gambit uh, for two days and take some good walks and speak to your mum, you know? And then, um, and then maybe, maybe like, once you kind of remove yourself away from looking at the problem, then maybe there'll be an answer. Maybe there won't. But, um, but that's it. There's that's no science. It. Yeah, I to mean it.
0: that that excites me. That I mean that's been my experience as well. That it is frustrating and it can be deeply annoying, right? When you you can't get the output you want, but it can't be mm. forced. And the more you just get comfortable with that, because that's, that's it. Right. For people listening, it's just it's okay. Although at the time, it, it's not okay. But you always not at come the out. Time.
1: <laughs> and it's it's not about like it's not about glorifying the pain of the artist. Exactly. It's about making itself. About understanding that we're we all suffer and to be gentle with ourselves through that suffering. You know, it's about having compassion for Mm. the difficulties of just of like having to use parts of your brain that don't always want to they're not gonna go to work at nine o'clock every day just because some other jobs have to go to work at nine o'clock in your day. The parts of your brain that create, say, I'm not getting up, they're they're listening to, they're they're teenagers, they're listening to Rage Against the Machine in their bedroom, they're refusing to go to school, you know, until you've done something that you haven't worked out to make them work, you know, And that could be going to a gallery, or it could be like, you know, taking a break from work, or it could be just actually working through it, you know, it could be, but yeah, it's, it's weird, it's a constant set of puzzles, and it's so important to be really, really, really gentle to yourself around that and support yourself around it.
0: And that goes back to what we were saying before. It's all about that awareness and self-care. The more I see artists being comfortable in their own skin, they've actually just learned how to protect themselves and not be like paranoid or lock themselves away from the world. They're just like, well, this ain't working. I'm going to go and see a friend or let you say, I'm just going to go and watch a movie. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to make a nice meal, do whatever. And even the painful bits that we all go through, let's be honest, after the fact, which is always easier, right? In hindsight, it's like, yeah, why the hell was I worried? And I mean, like you say, look what I've just written. Like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. But yeah. at the time it was like, oh God. Oh. Oh. It's
1: like- <laughs> yes, totally, totally. And I guess that just makes like we were saying earlier on, that makes no sense to that makes no sense in business time to think no. like, okay, no. you had this genius idea, but it maybe took like two months of just nothing
0: to do that you know? yeah but I mean that's the reality though it all of the disruptive products or technologies I mean if you look at the backstory which no one really shares because everyone wants it you know all shiny and look how easy it was to do this yeah they, they've been going at it for years or they've failed massively and there's many iterations and even there's a backstory to these people who suddenly everyone thinks that everything they touch tends to gold that's rubbish really or at least in, in what I've seen it's very rare. You know, all of the artists that I really resonate with have again, not that they've gone through lots of pain, but they they've just gone through lots of iterations and being cool with that. Because for me, that's part of the exciting journey. If I if I'm in experimental mode, don't know about you, how you what your process is, but that's part of the excitement for me. I know that I'm not gonna get there. But actually some of those failures for example when i wrote music or when i was performing live (laughs) like or not i couldn't have reversed engineered that some of those fuck-ups live on stage or during a live performance or in the studio actually made the thing more human and connect with the crowd better and i could never have put that as a plan if that makes sense yeah
1: oh totally and i also sort of feel that sometimes like the really 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 the ideas that i have that i feel are really really good like they feel like somehow like they've always been there. Mm. Like they, they there's always something like, you know, like I could be like saying I'll have to like, when I'm writing, I'll kind of like do a bunch of pitches to, to press and see if any get picked up on. And sometimes I can feel like my inner ham come out, my inner, my inner hack. And I'm kind of like, so sort of like, well, I don't know if I believe in this. Yes, it totally makes sense, but I don't know let's see let's see who's 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 you know like maybe someone will pick up on it but like the ideas that sort of get taken up i kind of really feel you can just tell when you're writing they just flow through you you know and it's the same with like the podcast bits that i know it's going well it's like or it's like when you hear like there's we've all had songs in our lives Mm -hmm. that sort of we've heard by other people but I mean, yeah, okay, maybe like the chord progression is going to come from somewhere else, you know. But at the same time as that, they just kind of go through us. Like we've always heard them; they've always been around somehow. And I think I don't know whether that's because something kind of just speaks a universal truth, or mm. maybe um, we just relate to it so much. I don't I don't know why, but. Yeah. I, I just feel yeah. there's something just so truthful about when you know, you know, deep down when something's working. Don't
0: you? Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I can't bottle that. And I'm a, I've, like, I say, I was doing a lot of research in terms of what, what is creativity? Where does it come from? Uh, and there's a lot of things that resonate, you know, um, I don't know if you know Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, the famous author.
1: I don't know. Oh, okay.
0: There's a book called big magic worth checking out. And, uh, She just talks about, um, she wrote Eat, Pray, Pray, Love, which, by the way, I wasn't really a big fan, you know, romantic. No, I think there's
1: a film with Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah, that's the
0: one, yeah. So she's the author and um, written a lot of fiction, famous for that, but she's also more recently become more of a philosopher, which is really cool. And she talks about the same thing. She's like, you know, I used to think about it this way. And, you know, you put your ego and say, look, I'm an amazing writer and this is my output. But it's more like you're a conduit. You just... Satellite in the right place, and you're just there, and it just happens and it falls into place. And it, you, you don't really know how you got there, but you're quite kind of happy with the results. And, um, yeah, th- that's kind of it for me. That's the way I approach making music or actually anything creative. Now, I kind of have an idea, and I'm like, Yeah, I'd like that to happen. But in the past, I was so beaten up on myself to get to that place that it would yeah. n- never get there, you know, if that makes sense. So now I'm kind of like, I'd like that to happen, but I'm actually excited to what, what kind of output or whatever happens. And, and the more I do that, I just get lost in my own little world, but in a good yeah. place. And then the output, I mean, I'm kind never of surprised. I'm sort of saying
1: a bit about like you're trying not to second guess yourself as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: because I don't know about you, it's like putting a lid on it. It kind of stifles creativity straight out mm. the gate, right? Because if I'm like, it must be this and it must be exactly how I want. Usually you don't get that, right? And actually, by me going, look, I've got a basic idea. So, for example, when I make music, I'll pick a couple of bits of hardware, hook them up, and I'll be like all mad scientists, like, ooh, I'll put this delay here and this will happen. And actually, it never happens how I want it. Mm. But from an engineering perspective, it, it it does what it says in the tin, but creatively, it comes out in a weird and wonderful way. And that, for me, is exciting. Whereas before, I was like, no, it must do this. I'm going to use this exact plugin. I'm going to use... And and it got really boring. And no surprise, I stopped making music for years because of that, because yeah. I tortured myself. And I, and I listened back to the stuff that got released and it was rubbish. You <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. care now. I think it, it's cool to see how far you get, right? And why, for me, when I listen to music now, I can tell exactly what state of mind I was in when I made it and why I was struggling. And I'm actually just more curious and interested in that than embarrassed that I put it out there and it's in the public space, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah totally. I think when I was making music, um, like I had this kind of, cause you know, growing up in the nineties, like sort of really kind of being a music fan in the nineties, like, uh, and like, you know, we had like all of these different sort of like, you know, I, I was really into like things like Britpop for a while. And like, I was kind of into house a little bit, mm-hmm. but, and, um, and like you said, like sort of like really good 90s hip hop and stuff like that. So there was all this kind of sort of amazing kind of stuff going on. But I think there was also this kind of culture because I grew, I grew up very much like a, someone who would read NME and Melody Baker rather yeah, yeah, than yeah. being a musician. And so rather than knowing technique, I was kind of a lot more familiar with like how albums were praised, you know, seen as being masterpieces and stuff like that. And so when I got into making music, it took me a long time to realize that I wasn't trying to make the best thing ever, you know? Um, And I try and keep that to what I'm doing now is just to to make something that feels true for that moment, really. Um, And you can go back and you can do another version of it another day. You can kind of carry... If there's an idea that you couldn't quite grasp, you can go on to do that the next thing sometimes. Yeah,
0: that's a really Um, good point about the fact is you don't have to put out the hat. Yeah. I had so not much about making the master. Yeah, I'm not one yeah. to
1: judge what, you yeah. know, we can't judge what like our masterwork is going to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is going to be the book that will make me, you know, this is yeah. going to be the new catcher in the what rye or something yeah, like I, that. I, it's- I was
0: going to ask you as well. that. I- I I had this all the time where, oh, everyone's going to love this. This is going to smash yeah. it, all of this, whether it's me writing a piece, an article, or putting out a record. And it was always the opposite, but I was humbled. Like some of the stuff I was like, oh, this is rubbish. And then people were really taking it on like, wow. And it, and it got me annoyed because I was like, I don't know then. You know, the, they, they like the stuff I hate. They hate the stuff I like, you know. whatever <laughs> But actually the more that you don't have anything on it, and if you're just like, well, that's, I'm cool with that. Let's just let's just see how other people how it lands. That's where mm. you have real impact, right? And is that how you are as a writer? You are just like, well, I'm cool with that. I'm going to see how the rest of the world sees it. You know,
1: I have to feel good about it, mm. and that's how I know when something's ready. Like it will literally be a mess of words until it's ready. You know, it's like the it's like like a lot of the editing is like kind of sort of arranging a jigsaw puzzle, really until the words just to me feel right, you know? And then, um, so in what, I I agree with what you're saying, but there's also the sort of sense that it has to like, it does again, like I said earlier on, it has to feel like it's coming through, you know? And I I know that point where to me, it just works really well. I mean, yeah, there have been a few things that have kind of come out where, you know, you're up against the deadline and you get it done the best you can, you know, but I'm not, you know, um, but even then it still has to kind of reach a level um but yeah I, I know when something's right it just comes out but then you just after that you just never know do you you know like i can't second guess what other people are going to think of something and- no
0: no and it's such a double-edged sword and a total waste of time right because i know yeah. when i used to put stuff out i mean you know this yourself any creative i was sending demos off the so most soul-destroying thing in the world so i used to think and then mm-hmm. i've become so happy to do it Because I was like, I'm excited to see what these people think. Because, you know, you get to make friends and you have all these people you trust and you, like, send stuff to. Whereas before it was like... Oh my, You know, back in the day, it was old school, like literally bubble wrap envelopes on the floor, yeah. sending CDRs out. And I was like, fuck, oh, how you know, it was also like, how much is this costing versus, you know, can I, yeah. can I, can I eat? And then, and then all of that stress and anxiety about putting them in the bloody post box. And then it, I just crossed a path where I think you just have to have a certain amount of output before you just stop caring. But I don't mean you don't care about your craft. You just don't get as emotional and you're just like, well, you know, I've learned now. You just, you, again, for all that iterations and failure and experimentation, you just find your own rhythm, right? You find your own way of doing what you do. And if you still love doing it, you carry on doing it, right?
1: Well, I think, th- yeah, I think you, you kind of find a point where like, which I think is just like, I don't even think it's just about creativity. It's about a certain certain kind of point that people get to at different points in their lives that where you just, you know, this is me. it you know I do the best I can I try and be a good person and I try and make my kind of the work I put out like you know like I really really believe in it and I really believe in every action I take um but if people accept, people are even going to accept that or they're not you know and like I think you know like it's like when you when you when I was in my early 20s it's like I was always trying to sort of impress people you know it's yeah. like Always want to say the right thing and be and just be cool or, or whatever you know um and then you get to that point of going like actually you know just you just get too old and too tired and too lazy to do anything that isn't yourself yeah. really you You're know right. and yeah. it feels yeah. more glaringly obvious when do something that isn't you don't feel has come from yourself yeah you and know? it takes think... a lot of
0: energy doesn't it as well i mean you, you learn just from experience that, yeah, it's just too much of a hassle. You know, you just need to show up and just be yourself. And, and yeah. I guess you, you just have to learn that. And it's not just create, the creative space. You know, we work with our clients that way, leaders, right? We're always saying, look, the more you just show up and be you, that's what people love. Even though you might not like things about you personally, guess what? That's all you've got. You know, there's this lovely quote. I don't know where it came from, but it's like, you can only be you because everyone else has taken, like, you know, and it's yeah. and, and I've copied people because I put them on a the pedestal. And you know, I, I love copying musicians when I was young because I didn't have the technical ability to do anything better. But then, as you learn, you're like, well, okay, I've got my own take on it now, and that and you can apply that to anything. And like or not, yeah. it, it it. It's not with age, but you just need to have a bit of a mileage before you get comfortable.
1: I think mm-hmm. so, and I, I also, I mean. I think, um, I mean, again, having said that, there, there's this whole generation of like, particularly music, there's a whole generation of kids that like, I don't know, like that are like born with digital stuff and can yeah. use like Ableton, you know, as children, you know? And, and so maybe like, you know, I, I imagine like walls are kind of shifting on those parameters like a lot, you know, in terms of creative output, yeah. like, you know, uh, when you sort of see like albums being made by 17 year olds that feel like you think you know, with the maturity of someone that's like, well, older than that, you know, and that's, mm. just, you know, kids that have, you know, known how to use that technology their whole lives. It's all boggles my mind. Whereas for me, like, you know, I was struggling to use a computer in my early twenties, <laughs> you know, like accidentally wiping tracks of a four track recorder because I didn't know how to use it, you know? Um, yeah, I, I yeah I think I, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, I can't put the question
0: is again. <laughs> I think we'd just be rambling, haven't we? Which, no, but it's cool <laughs> yeah. because I've really I've really enjoyed the conversation. No, I, I, I get what you're saying because I, I don't mean mileage and age and all. Oh, you must be mature yeah. to make something good or do anything in life. Cause that's rubbish, right? I, I've seen kids, especially in in the arts, like, musicians that I resonate with. And I'm like, where did that kid come from? Like, totally mm. grounded, doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks, and in a good way, and just smashed it, put it out there. I'm like, wow. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly.
1: they, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, happens. and some of the people, like, I think it was, not like, um, like, Herbie Hancock was, like, something like 15 years old or something when he was doing those yeah. Miles Davis albums. Stuff like that. Yeah, crazy. Like, like Dizzy Rascal's first album, but like he was 17 when it came out, which must have meant he was about 15. Yeah, and he... that
0: rawness, I think that's what really had traction for him because it was just really to the heart, close. You know, it was grimy, it was real, and it wasn't polished, and it was quite gnarly, you know, a bit of aggression yeah. in there, and that just worked, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. But I do know what you're saying in terms of the essence of it not being connected to age, but in terms, of yeah. like coming from some other place about kind of um yeah I, I don't know there's so many kind of like instinctive biting points with creativity aren't there there's like the point between being naive and fresh about something and that being an amazing thing where you get like such a buzz of freshness in the ideas and a point of maturity in in, in terms of not giving a shit about mm. certain things about yourself or having that inner confidence in in terms of yourself and it's just constant little navigations and i think this is again it goes back to what we we're saying earlier on that that what that these are things that are really hard to quantify they just have they have to be felt and you can use you use skill in that you know like obviously the better you are as an engineer can make have a sound a certain way if you want to have an orchestra then you know um having people that can play the instruments is a, is a benefit um, and how skilled they are is a benefit you yeah. know but mm. in terms of making the judgments of what is right or wrong for something is 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 weighing up so many things that some of it's art some of it's science and it's 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 just knowing having a gut feeling of what what to pull from mm. when something's right
0: yeah exactly and look how many artists i mean i don't know but i love reading about artists journeys that's why i love to listen to you know you talk to peaches and Yeah, it just reminded me, I love listening to how an artist went from this raw whippersnapper who just like came out of nowhere and then later Mm. on and with a bit of maturity, there's no right or wrong, they just had a different flavour because of reflection and they've got more mileage. It doesn't mean, um, it's not for me to say whether it's better art or not, it it just, it always is different and that's just through our own, I guess the whole conversation we talked about, just through experience, just through feeling away and learning and experimenting and that's what I really think what's
1: around you as well yeah exactly um...
0: taking everything in the influence of where you live how you live people around you everything you I mean we say about kids right that you know at a young age we're like sponges we absorb stuff but I, I actually still think adults do that we're just we lose that awareness because we become this boring stale adult form you know I don't think we ever lose the child in us if that makes sense just no, we I think maybe it, it gets a hijacked
1: of... a little bit by the things we sponge in. You know, maybe yeah, yeah. We, we sponge in anxiety a bit more and we sponge in scrolling, you know, <laughs> and, and things. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm totally guilty of those things. Like, I'm, I'm terrible. What's your worst social media addiction?
0: Oh, God. If, 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 you, if you were to ask Mira, I mean, definitely scrolling aimlessly. Yeah. Um yeah, definitely the infinite just flicking through until I'm like mesmerized and then suddenly someone taps me on the shoulder and says Peter
1: Yeah, you're like, Well, well I've been in some kind of weird yeah. di- of a dimension, you know. Yeah. Definitely. I think I, I, I can lose out, you know, sometimes like I'll kind of for me it's like when I have like the days where I'm kind of doing emails and stuff, they're the worst because like I'll kind of there's this list of emails I'll be working through, then I'll kind of without I'll kind of almost like I'll come out of a trance and realise that I'd finished all of the emails and I'd actually spent like an hour or something just like maybe thinking I'm waiting for an email reply, but I've actually just been <laughs> Instagram. Something I
0: feel ashamed. Like that. I've, I've even I've done, that. Done, that I've done that quite often as well. Like I had anxiety. I'm like, you know, the poor guy's got no, no awareness that I'm waiting for them to reply. Right. How stupid is this? You know, but we all like, right? like, yeah, you know, I've re- I sent them an email three days ago. Why are they not replying? And you know, Mira's like, are you crazy? It's like close your laptop for God's sake, get outside. Do you know because you just do something different, you know? You d- you can't do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. more aware of it now. And again, it it's going back to what we said before, having that awareness and not bashing yourself. So if you spot it, just stop, right? But the other yeah. layer to that is just totally. like, okay, that was stupid, but I'm not gonna bash myself. And that goes back to the um the self-care aspect. What well, I was gonna ask you as well is so You've got your podcast going on now. Is there anything you can share? I'm, I'm just curious and a bit nosy. What's next for you? You know, have you got any cool guests you can talk about or uh, anything that I like,
1: I like to keep the guests under wraps because yeah, yeah, it's no. <laughs> it's like exciting that way. Yeah, yeah. Of um, but yes, um, <laughs> um, but like in terms of like I I'm just trying to keep my eyes open and keep connected to what I think is is real and i know that sounds really 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 cheesy um but i i feel like um when and i think it's connected to what we're talking about as well like when when i kind of veer off that like when i start to kind of write like a hack or you know when i i feel like i write to kind of just because you know you've got the pressure of getting bills paid and Mm. i've got the pressure of getting bills paid and so the anxiety of going okay fuck, i need to kind of just like get two writing pictures this week, you know, and then sometimes the quality control in my mind doesn't Got work yeah. so well. Um when that happens, you know, and none of those pictures work anyway. It's just like, so I think for me it's just literally finding ways to stay truthful to what I'm good at doing and what I feel like and communicate to the world with about so um and at at right at the moment, um, that could be anything. There are things going on. Um but they're all they're all kind of in the process they're all a, they're all a jumble of different right until right until you you, you read with mm. yourself that they're, they're a mess
0: yeah i mean <laughs> i'm just being cheeky asking that cuz I, I would never no I, I love it it's no, cool go for it no yeah. but it, i think it's good for people to hear that because yeah I, i'm just in constant e- experimentation mode anyway with a lot of things and that's how we apl- apply stuff whereas before i was kidding myself saying you know it has to be this way like we talked about and very rigid and that didn't work if I'm honest, and the more I'm just like, okay, with not knowing, and just say, well, podcast is going on, I've got this happening, but the new stuff I'm just got nothing on it. Let's see, and if I get excited about it and it bears some fruit, I'm going to release it, and people will know about it, right? But until then, yeah, sorry, can't tell you anything because I don't even know my own head, right? Sometimes yeah, got yeah. this idea lot, So then like you can
1: kind of sort of you can talk yourself out of it, like yeah, um, yeah. You, I've, I've definitely done projects in the past where it's like I've talked through about it, then I was like, I don't need to do the project now because I've just talked about <laughs> it. You know, that was that actually it. You know, that was my explanation of it was better than the the project would have been that itself. That is so Darn, true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I've, I've been interviewed and suddenly blurted out and usually it, I'm with Mira as well and she's looked at me like, why have you shared that with the public? And I'm like, oh, <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we <laughs> don't
0: do it. It's no surprise, right? It's, mm. It just gets put in the never been kind of thing. But yeah, um go, going on to that as well. Are you a advocate of nothing is ever a waste? Because I don't know about you. I used to <laughs> embarrassingly get angry and delete tracks because I was like that's rubbish and all of that. But I think there's always fruit. Not that you should keep everything right, but I find that sometimes I you know you touched on it before. It just wasn't ready to go out. It just wasn't something wasn't quite right. Uh but rather than delete it from my life because, oh God, I got you know annoyed that it didn't bear any fruit, I just move it into that box of that's a possibility that will come later. And I've had stuff even two years plus just take shape and form. And then people yeah. around me who are trust and know and love, they're like... That's not new, mate. You know, you had that idea over two years ago. I'm like, and then I get really like, really, you know. And they're like, yeah, you told me that ages ago. So yeah, that's just been bubbling up and developing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I have that a lot actually. I think um, um, I'm trying to be better with myself. With like, if if I'm not feeling something very quickly, mm. is to to move on to leave it. But yeah, it, it doesn't get thrown away. Like like in a, in a technical sense, I use like some kind of filing system mm. where. I'll have like a kind of like a virtual drawer for like sort of ideas that I'm just a bit meh about, you know, and, and then occasionally I'll either look at them or, you know, it's what's more likely than not is I'll be walking along the street and something will remind me of it because it relates to something that I've just thought or something going yeah. on. And it kind of, it kind of becomes resuscitated. Um, but like, yeah, I think it, yeah, I, I try not to kind of like stay on an idea for too long when it's just like Same. a in the yeah. idea stage and then, yeah. then you just got like a big back catalog. And uh, I mean, the great thing is you don't really ever need to sort of either throw anything away or keep anything either. Well, not nowadays, just right?
0: Like, because
1: it's going to stay. In, I mean, I guess <laughs> what you're saying with, with like technical, you know, if it's music, you know, if you've got files of stuff, you are got to sometimes have to make a decision if you want to free up storage Yeah, I mean, it, off,
0: yeah, before it was because of a lack of funds right? so we only had so much yeah. hard disc space and like many musicians you've probably spoken to I got caught with my hands burnt when I didn't back it up and that was brutal moments where we've I, lost, I, I lost half an album that
1: way once. <laughs> but you know yeah. what it,
0: even that I know it was horrible at the time I might like cry in for days but to be fair that was transformational as well because guess what you've got no other choice so it yeah. kind of cleared the way for me not to get so stuck in the past so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer and I just go with whatever happens. Although, I'm like everyone else, I still have to go for the grieving, you know, if something's not cool at the time, you know?
1: Yeah, and like you said, it's actually really cool, actually. So it's like, it's, I think there's something really, really, really amazingly uplifting about, like, when something goes wrong and you have to think of a plan B <laughs> and then suddenly you get the plan B. And it's like, it always reminds me of, like, one of those things in a film where, you know, the, the main characters are just like, that it's all gone a bit wrong for them. And they're like on retreat and they're in like some warehouse or something like that. And like a bit 18 style. And then they've got like, they've got like half a tractor yeah. and like, you know, a, a, a disco light, like a disco mirror ball. And I go, how are we going to get out of this? And then they somehow kind of do something like really cosmic with it and save the day. Yeah, I, lo- I love those moments. Although I haven't really used that particular combination of the, disco good reminder of that
0: yeah yeah and and you can use that i mean I, I meet many artists that use that as a creative process as well and by the way i mean this conversation's been great but I'm even trying to reflect on how do I how do I put this to a close because we've just been rambling like twirl. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: I don't mind really. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I guess we've just had a kind of a good ramble about. Yeah, creativity. I mean, there's
0: there's so much gold in it. And you know, before I'd be like, oh my god, how I was rubbish there. We let it go all over the place. But the, you know, there's some really good stuff we did, you know we we touched on. Is there yeah. anything? Um, because we usually ask this kind of question and, uh, yeah, Mira wasn't here today because mm. she ended up having to speak to someone and we tried to move it, it didn't happen. But no what worries. we usually say is, that, you know, just out, out, fresh out your head, is there anything you think makes sense to share, you know, knowing that we've covered a lot of ground? Is there anything else just imparting that you want to share with people listening?
1: Um, You mean about anything? <laughs>
0: yeah, anything goes. Uh... <laughs>
1: Um, do you know what? I'm actually okay with what we've got, really. Good um, um, no, no, I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. No, totally. Thanks for asking me.
0: <laughs> no worries. Let's press the um, stop button then.
1: Cool. Yeah. Nice.
0: You made it to the end of this episode and we appreciate that. So thank you.
1: If you're looking for coaching, want to develop your leadership skills,
0: improve your team's performance, get more creative or strengthen your business relationships, please check our website www.themindtakeaway.com or drop us an email info at
1: for more details. We would love to hear from you.